this is the scripture that I have for you today. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for this morning. We thank you for a powerful time of soaking and being refreshed and renewed and being revived in your presence, Lord, so that we can hear your word, so that we can discern the Spirit, Lord, and so that we will take a step of faith and be obedient to you, Lord. So we just want to thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to bring the Word of God in this season for God's people, Lord. Speak and minister through me and through the Scripture. We give you thanks, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we all are very familiar with this uh, Scripture in Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 9. It is immediately after Adam and Eve have taken the fruit from the forbidden tree. And uh, they were hiding when they heard the Lord walking in the cool of the day. And uh, they were hiding behind some trees. And this was the first time ever that they did not want to face God. This was the first time that they were running away from their Creator God, from a good God and a loving God because suddenly they were aware that they were naked. Suddenly, they were ashamed of their nakedness. Suddenly, a different kind of fear came upon them of God. Not the reverence for God, not the honour of God, but uh, being scared, being very, very afraid of God and, what, and the consequence of what they have done. And God asked this very, very important question. God knew where they were because God being God, he, he sees everything. He is everywhere. So his question is very deep, is very profound. It is not, uh, it's not a hike and seek that he is involved in here right now in the Garden of Eden because God knows where Adam and Eve is. God can see behind the trees. God can see, but God was very concerned about their spiritual state. God was very concerned for the fact that instead of running to them, they were running away and hiding from them. And so God asked the question, where are you? Until today, that question has been ringing all over the world. Until today, God his voice has been calling out through the prophets in the Old Testament, through the vision and the dreams given, through the word that has been uh, given through the prophets and through the seers. And even in the New Testament, God's voice came through His Son, Jesus Christ. When Jesus came in Luke 19 says, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus was, in a matter of fact, asking that same question to you and I. Where are you? Where are you? The 
The Hebrew word for where are you is ayika. Today, we are going to learn three Hebrew words, which is very powerful, which is very profound. So you can tell people when you go out, I know Hebrew. But it's not the knowing the language that is important, but knowing the significance of the word that God calls out. Because in life, many times, many times when tests come, when troubles come, sometimes a voice will come within us. Sometimes somebody will ask us. Sometimes circumstances will confront us. And there is a still small voice that will call and says, Where are you? Today, I believe even as we are in the season of land, a certain part of the church takes land very seriously. 40 days. Very important. They have almost every day they go to church. And they have fasting, they have repentance, and they also are sorry for their sins. So they also fast and they abstain from certain things. But for us in the evangelical church, for us who are Pentecostals, we can align ourselves with the other parts of the church and say that during this season of land, during this season of profound reorientation, and just like this, in many times when you read the psalm, the word by the side of the psalm is selah, S-E-L-A-H, another Hebrew word. And selah means to pause. Today, in this season before Good Friday, before the Risen movie, before Easter, it is good for you in our journey, in our pilgrimage on this earth to pause and perhaps strain our ear, perhaps clear the, so, the many, many voices in our lives, the many, many sounds and distractions in our voice coming from the internet, coming from the phone, coming from people, coming from work and begin to pause, sella, so that we can hear that same voice that spoke in the garden calling out to Adam and Eve so that we can hear the same voice that called out on the nation of Israel in their idolatry, in their apostasy, in their spiritual adultery, going away from God. God's prophets were in fact calling back Israel and says, Where are you? Where have you gone? How far have you gone away? Speaking also to the priests. You know, the priests and the kings in the Old Testament were as guilty as the people. In fact, they were more guilty than the people because they were supposed to set an example. The spiritual condition of the nation depended on the king and on the priests. So even this voice calling out is also a voice calling out to us who are here, who are pastors, who are ministers, who are leaders, who are board members. Where are you? When God calls, His call is very specific. He calls by name. And we know that Adam and Eve failed the test when God calls, so where are you? Adam gave, pointed the finger at Eve and Eve pointed the finger at the serpent. Everybody was pointing finger. 
Many times when God calls us, our finger begins to point. It's because of my husband. It's because of my wife. It's because of my job. It's because of my health. It is because of the government. It's because of the prime minister. It's because of this pakatan. It's because of that. But that is not the question that God is asking. When God says, Aika, God is asking today, right at this moment, where are you? Where is your heart? Where is your mind? Where is your calling in your life? We thank God that one of the seeds that came from Adam, from the godly side of Adam, came from Seth and all the godly seeds of Adam. Today we are going to focus on one man in the Old Testament because he is a representative of Jesus and the Father. His name is Abraham. He was Abraham before he became Abraham because he was faithful. He was... He became a father from becoming a highly exalted father. He became a father to the multitudes. So we will read, we will go to Genesis 22 verse 2 to help us to be able to answer the question. Perhaps there are many of you here today. Ayika, where are you? Is ringing loud in your ears today. Perhaps you have been asking God, but today you'll be surprised that God is asking you back the same thing. God is asking me back the same thing. Many times we ask God, where are you in our times of trouble? Where are you when we need help? Where are you when we need healing? But do you know, Many times, Jesus is an expert at asking questions. He will answer a question back with a question. So sometimes when we come to God today, today we are here today, and sometimes we'll be asking, Lord, when is it going to happen? When is my breakthrough going to happen today? Let me tell you, today God is going to answer you with a question. Not with an answer. He's going to answer you with a question so that you will be able to find yourself, find God, and find your calling in life. We have a godly example that we can learn how to respond to God when every time God stops us and causes us to pause and ask, where are you? Ayika. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he says, here I am. He says, take your son your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I shall tell you. This, was a, this is a very powerful moment in Genesis chapter 22. We hear about Abraham from Genesis chapter 12, that he was called from Haran to leave his family, to leave his land, to leave his comfort, and to come to Canaan land. To come to Canaan without God offering him any promise at all. He says, you just come, you just leave, and you just follow me. And then there was a time where God visited Abraham and says, you are not your slave. It's not going to be 
your, the one who's going to inherit the blessing, the one in whom I'm going to bless you with so many. This, as if you, if you can count the number of stars, you can count the amount of sand on the sea, this is the number of your generation, of your inheritance. I'm going to cause you to be a nation. And at every step, Abraham's faith began to increase in his life. Every step, his faith increased. And then we come to the final test that God offers to Abraham. This was the final. This was his graduation. Where God has found him to be faithful. God has found him to be a person who he can trust with his calling, his ministry, his family, his life, and to birth forth a nation which we now know as Israel. So we know many times when God calls, it's a test. It's a test of our character. It's a test of our commitment. It's a test to find out, do we know where we are? Do we know where we have gone? Do, are we sure of where we are heading? The test calls for a response. Adam and Eve hid from God, hiding behind the trees, and they start to blame people. But Adam, Abraham was different. His first response when he heard the voice of God calling him in Beersheba. Three times in Genesis 22, we hear the word, here I am from Abraham. And this here I am is so powerful. Again, another Hebrew word. It means hineni. The voice of God is a voice of a father calling his child. The voice of God is a voice of a master calling his servant. The voice of God is a voice of a creator calling his creation. The voice of God is the bridegroom calling the bride. You and I, we are the bride of Jesus Christ. The voice of God is the teacher calling his student. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, since the time where Adam and Eve couldn't answer the call of God, each one of us have inherited a sinful tendency to stray away, to backslide, to drift away, to be independent, to be self-centered, to be self-serving, and in today's terms, to be narcissistic. That means to be, it's all to be a lover of yourself. And to treat the sovereign God as something common. To, to treat God very lightly and to doubt God even for Christians, even pastors. Sometimes we can doubt God just like Eve and Adam doubt the, the goodness of God when Satan told them, is it true that God told you not to eat from the, 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 the tree? They begin to have doubts about this God. It's God withholding back something good from their life. Sometimes when we go through tests, we ask, being asked, Lord, why are you not giving me the best? My best. Sometimes we, we have to realize that. Sometimes it's the way we think is our best. 
But we thank God. And we make sure that we are not going to respond like Adam and Eve. We are not going even to respond like Jonah when God calls to go to Nineveh to preach to the enemies of Israel, to bring the news of repentance and judgment. He ran the opposite direction. But we thank God for the heroes of faith in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and in glad tidings and in the churches today who knows how to answer God with here I am rather than pointing the finger at someone else and says, I do not know where I am. I'm not sure where I am. In the Hebrew, there are two words, there are two main words where anipo means I'm here or I'm present. You know, in the Hebrew schools, just like last time when we were in our days, you know, in, when we were in school, our teacher will look at the student's role and it, because I think maybe the student cannot memorize all our names, so we will say, Michael, then we will say, I'm here. George, he says, I'm here. Liu, he says, I'm here. Bernard, he says, I'm here, right? We have done that before. In the Hebrew school, they have a roll call. And here, Po Ani or Ani Po means, I'm here. But you and I know that when we say we are here, sometimes we are not here. Physically, we are just here. You know, our minds is back home. We can't wait to go back to play our games. Can't wait to go back to go to the fields. Last time, you all, you children, we used to like to go to play the field, go play in the river, play in the drain, you know. But we are not here. And sometimes we come without our backs because we are here, but we are not here. Sometimes we forget to do our homework. We are here, but we are not here. It is presentism, not absentism. Eh? Sometimes absentism, we know like, the person is not there already. Like, eh? You call the name, nobody answers. Anipo, nobody answers. But Anipo is a, is, is a type of presentism. It means we are present, but we are not there. Sometimes we go to work, you know, we are, don't like the work and we are just there for the sake of time. There just to finish the time quickly. We just want to pray. Sometimes the longest time is during our work time. Why the hours so slow? Sometimes our relationship also we feel like that. Why so slow when our, our time with certain people in our lives? But he nanny is different. Even in the English, when you say Anipo, I'm here, it's different from Hineni, here I am. When we say here I am, we just come, for example, this is my teacher, Pastor Kwan Ming, and he says, Michael, I'll say here I am. That means I'm fully here. I'm listening to him. I'm hearing him. I'm ready to do what my teacher wants me to do. When you say, Anipo, I'm here. Say, I'm here. Then I stand very far. Away. Uh, you want anything? Uh, what can I do for you? Uh, I'm not sure I'm here or not, but uh, I think I'm here today. Sometimes in life, we are more Anipo than Hineni. And that is the thing that 
we need to respond just like Abraham responded to God. Here I am. And here I am is an attitude, is a bearing of the entire person, their emotional, physical, and spiritual presence. It means here, I am fully here. Not partly here. Not sometimes here. And you know, we all know the same thing when we are in our when we are eating. Many times we are not there. We are there, but we are we are in our phone. We are thinking of something else. We are preparing to go home. In fact, some of you here right now, you could be anipo and says, "What do? We, why are we going to eat afterwards?" Huh? But you are here in church, which is good. Praise God. But today, we want to respond like Abraham, not just. Anipo is just the first step. We want you to move to the next step. Hineni. Here I am, God. Are you fully here in worship? Or you raise up your hands because it's automatic. It comes, your hands come automatic. And if you go out the door, automatically it comes down. Like the boom gate. Hineni, or the here I am of Abraham is a powerful word. Even as I begin to prepare the message, I begin to say, Lord, I want to hineni more than my anipo. I want to be here I am more than I am here. I begin to be more intentional. I begin to be more deliberate in looking at people's eyes. And sometimes I'm just as guilty as all of you. Sometimes, especially our loved ones, we take for granted. When your wife speaks, you don't look at your wife. Sometimes I'm guilty of that. And my wife is there, I admit I'm guilty of that. Sometimes because, uh, yeah, my wife only, uh, you know. But if somebody else comes and talks to you, yes, yes, what can I do for you? Even if you're serving, yes. And pastors can be guilty of that also. Leaders can be guilty of that. Can you imagine if we practice Hineni in our lives? That means I am fully here for you. I'm all ears. My heart is here. My ears is here. My eyes are here. My person is here. I'm here right now. That is Hineni. I am fully available. I am ready for you. God, I'm ready for you even if we tell our people that we love. Do you know that when God speaks to us and calls our name, He knows our name. He knows specifically. There are a few Michaels here. There are a few George here in our, in, our, in our congregation. And when He calls, He will know how to call the right Michael. He will not call just a general, all the Michaels here. This is what I'm going to ask you to do. No. He calls very specific. There are a couple of George here, but he will know which one he's calling. And God doesn't make mistakes. Thank God we don't call the wrong person. So it is a turning point, defining moment, a potentially life-changing moment that requires decision, action, and resolution. Do you know that in the gospel, 
sorry, more in the Old Testament. These heroes of faith, Abraham, which we found in Genesis 22, three times he responded to God. Here I am, first to God. The second here I am is to his son, Isaac. The third here I am is to, to the angel of the Lord. Joseph responded the same to his father, Jacob. When the father says, I want you to go to see, to your, see your brothers what they are doing, immediately Joseph says, here I am. Jacob, same thing. He had visions. He had dreams. And when God appeared to him, the first word that comes to him when he called Jacob, he says, here I am. Moses, the same, at the burning bush. He saw something supernatural, unusual. A bush is on fire but not burning, not consumed. And he turned towards the bush. And when God says, Moses, Moses replied, here I am. The same with Samuel. Samuel was three times two. Samuel was called by God, but he didn't, he didn't know God that well yet. So he was thinking that his master, the priest, Eli, was the one who called him. Three times, God called Samuel. Samuel. Straight away, he ran to a familiar voice. He went to see Eli. Did you call me? Eli says, no, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. Second time, he, Samuel heard again. Samuel. Again, he thought it was Eli. Again, he went and said, no, I didn't call you. Third time again, he heard the voice. Samuel. He told, he came to Eli. He says, here I am. He came to a familiar person because he didn't know his God as yet. And so, Eli began to wise up. He says, I think the next time when you hear this voice, you have to say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. We have Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6 when he had a revelation of the holiness of the awesome of God. Then he was cleansed from his sin. And then God asked a question. Who shall we send? Who will go for us? And the first response of Isaiah was, here I am. Send me. Ananias, in the book of Acts, a disciple in Damascus, he was a faithful disciple and they have all heard of the persecutor Saul. And God called Ananias while he was praying perhaps or he was in a church service or he was in a cell group. And God says, Ananias, before he knew the assignment, he says, here I am. I'm going to send you to Saul at a street called Straight. And this Saul, and the moment he heard the word Saul, I think Ananias might have trembled. I think if he can pee in his pants, he will pee in his pants. Because he's going to the one who is persecuting the church. But he says, no, you are going to lay hands on him. You are going to anoint him because I'm going to use Saul. We have the heroes of faith. And today we are just focusing on one hero of faith. And that is Abraham. So we can feel the difference between I am here, Anipo, and between here I am, Hineni. Perhaps God is speaking and has already been calling you. Where are you? Where are you? What are you doing? Where are you going? 
How have you been? All this while, and today is just a confirmation that God is calling you to stop, pause. God is asking you to sell to reflect on where we have come from and where are you going? Are you where you, God is asking you to go today? Are you serving where God is asking you to serve? Are you in your marriage doing the right thing with your wife, with your husband, with your children? Where are you in your marriage? Where are you in your business? Where are you in your work? God is just as concerned for vocation, for our work, as in our worship. Do you know that in the, in the Hebrew, the word for work, W-O-R-K, and the word for worship comes from the same source. So work is as important. Never think that work is not important because God says, and Jesus says, engage in business until I come. Keep busy in the things that I place into your life. Be faithful. Not all of us are going to be called to be pastors, to be prophets, to be evangelists, to be apostles. But all of us are called to be faithful, to do what God has placed us to be. Which means, if you are a housewife, be a housewife that says, here I am, Lord. I will be the best mother to my children. I will be the best uh, wife to my husband. I will be the best daughter to my mother. I will be the best daughter-in-law to my mother-in-law and father-in-law. If you are in the marketplace, you can hinani and have a life and attitude of hinani. Lord, I'm here. You have called me to be in the marketplace. You have called me to touch life. You have called me to win souls. It is not just the missionaries. It's not just the evangelists who win souls. You and I are called to win souls wherever. Everywhere that God has positioned us, that is our harvest field. So you and I can say, Hineni, here I am. I'm fully here. I'm ready to go. But you know, one of the things that you see in the life of Abraham, before God asked him to sacrifice his son, he said, Hineni. That is a difference. That is faith in action. That means we don't ask God. When God calls you, we don't ask God, tell me first what you want me to do. Then I say, this is, this is this many times that is our human way of responding to responsibility, responding to tasks. Sometimes, a wife or husband will ask each other, can you do something for me? You ask, what do you, first let me, let me know what you do. Sometimes children will ask you something. He said, tell me what you want me to do. Because sometimes children's eyes are so cute, so innocent. Huh? They, will ask you, they will ask you the sun and the moon. But in Abraham's case, the hineni means, I will respond to you no matter what, regardless. You know, Abraham responded to God, hineni, here I am fully without knowing his task, without knowing God's calling for his life yet. If only God told him first, he may have hesitated a bit and said, uh, wait a minute, uh. let me check with my cell leader first. Let me check with my pastor first. 
Let me go back and read the Word of God first. Let me go to the prayer tower and pray first. But Abraham never did all those things. Abraham says he knew that God, when God calls, something, something is up. Something is important. When God speaks to you, it is something important. After his hineni, then came the calling. Then came the assignment. Take your son. Your only son. The son that you love. Uh, someone got emphasized three times. Uh. How would you feel as a father? I am a father of also one son. Sometimes people ask me, how come you only have one? I jokingly say, I just follow God's pattern. But can you imagine a father and a mother who has been waiting for 25 years to have a child? God already promised him, you and through your offsprings, you are going to bless. You are going to be a blessing, not just to the nation of Israel, but to the nations. And you are going to be a nation yourself. And you are going to be exceedingly blessed through your offspring. And Isaac is the offspring, not Ishmael. Ishmael has been cast out from the house. Ishmael is not the son of promise, but Isaac was the son of promise. Studying the life of Abraham, I will encourage you. I had a new admiration for Abraham. He was willing, ready to do whatever God says. Even before God told him, his first response to God was, Hineni, here I am. Just say the word. Just say the word and I will do it. Whatever. Verse 11, sorry, verse 1. We had the verse 1, we were reading from verse 1. When God called Abraham, that's where, after that, God gave him the assignment. Verse 7, where on the way, where he took his son Isaac to Mount Moriah, or today is called Jerusalem, the same mount where the temple was built, the same mount where God the Father sacrificed his son, you see the same pattern. It's a tale of two fathers and two sons. Abraham and his son Isaac. God and his son Jesus. At the same location where God called Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac is the same location where the father gave his son Jesus and didn't spare his son Jesus. God never asks us to do something that he himself won't do. He's not a God who is far away, but he's God who is near. He's God who knows. So in verse 7, Isaac was curious. We have the fire, perhaps the fire stone or the flint. We have the knife. We have the wood. Abraham put the wood on, over Isaac. And then Isaac was walking and walking and thinking, something is missing here. The lamb. Where is the lamb? And inside of Abraham, as a father, as a father who has only one child, 
the only child, the promise that one is going to help him to cause him his name to be great, the nation to be great, and all the nations to be blessed, he was going to give up his son in a three days journey in Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. Here was this heavy heart, this anguish, this father. And the son suddenly asked him a question, Father, and straight away, Abraham, in the midst of all his anguish, his worry about giving up his son, responded the same way he responded to God. Here I am, son. He nanny. Wow. I totally take off my hats and just respect this man. I've, I've, a, a new respect and admiration came from this man. He was fully there for the son and says, it's alright. God will provide a lamb. And then after that, the word of God says, and they walk together. This is, a, this is what we call a father who is called the father of the year. He not only loved God, but he loved his son so much that he tried to assure the, the son, don't worry, God will provide. But inside his heart, he knew of God's plan. But he didn't know that it was God's test. Many times, God doesn't come to you and says, Robert or Herman, I'm going to put you a test. Huh? Okay, not? Well, if God says test, huh? you are no problem, right? You're saying, oh, sure, sure, can, can, Lord. But God never tells us it's a test one. So Abraham also was the only person left out, didn't know who it was a test. He thought this is the only way to honour God. He was prepared to give up his son. But God prepared his heart to say if God gives and God takes away, God will give back. He had the idea if God is going to, his son is going to be sacrificed, God will somehow return back the son to him. That was his faith in this God. This covenant-keeping God. This God who is called I Am. The third time that Abraham says, Hineni, or Here I Am, is at the time when he has bound Isaac. Isaac was by that time a young lad. He was not a small child. He could have resisted. He could have said no. He could have run away just like Jonah. But because he trusted his father and he trusted the God of his father, God, my father knows what he's doing. He's always been faithful to God. So he willingly allowed himself to be placed on the altar, to be bound. And the father took the knife and was just about to be faithful and obey God. Right until the very end. This is what faith and obedience. This is what Hineni means. Full, fully obey, fully trust until the end. As the knife was about to come down, suddenly the angel of God cried out twice, Abraham! Abraham! Immediately he stopped. And Abraham's response was, here I am again, Lord. Whatever that you want, I will do it. And then God knew his faith was confirmed by his action. 
That's why Abraham is called the father of faith. Every time we believe, we are actually descendants of Abraham. We may not be Jews ethnically, but we are sons of faith, daughters of faith, because we just trust God. Very quickly, there are three things, there are three tests in this passage that each one of us will have to deal with in our daily life, even as followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. The first test here is an idol's test. It is not American idol or Malaysian idol, British, but this is an idol's test. This is where God is testing Abraham. God has blessed Abraham. He is one of the richest semi-nomadic men. Everybody knows he was very rich. Why? Because God has blessed him. And now, he was in a very good place. Finally, he and Sarah, they have a son, finally, of their own. Not from Hagar, not from the servant. Everything seems to be falling in place. They have tents, they have flocks, they have servants, and they have lots and lots of money. And they have a son, everything seems to be working fine. Suddenly, God put a test to him. Abraham, I bless you so much in your life. Now I want to test you. Do you love me more than you love your son? Do you love me more than you love all your riches? So for Abraham, the, his greatest love perhaps at that time was Isaac, his son. And so an idol's test is always a good check, a good time to pause. Because sometimes as Christians, we can accumulate idols in our lives. Not the statues, not ornaments that we set up, but sometimes it could be people in our life that could be an idol. Because for Abraham, he loved his son. Thank God he was a godly father who loved his son. He walked with his son. He assured his son, don't worry, God will provide. And you know the good thing about this loving father? He held the knife and he held the fire. He didn't allow anybody else to hold the knife. Because he says, if I were to the one to take, to offer my son, let me do it. No one else is going to touch my son. That's how much I love my son. Our God is a jealous God. Sometimes the things that He has blessed us, we have loved those things more than we love God. Sometimes the husband that we have loved, we love more than we love God. The wives, sometimes the children that we love, we have somehow loved more than God who gave us that children, gave us that child, gave us that wife, gave us that husband, gave us that success in our life, gave us that property, the car, the things that could be your idol today. Could be even a ministry for us as pastors. Sometimes for us pastors, we can also 
be guilty of having an idol and the idol is our ministry or our title. And this is a time for soul searching for each one of us. Will you be angry with God if God comes and takes away an idol in your life? So this was God's test, I know. Abraham, that Isaac is the most important thing in your life. If I take it from you, will you be angry with me? Will you run away from me? Will you say, no more say, here I am, but say, I'm here only. This is a call to hold things loosely. Don't hold people, don't hold things and possessions and titles and achievements tightly. Because one day, you will hear a voice of God. And God is going to call you. Where are you when it comes to your love for me and your love for certain people in your life or certain possessions? Aika, can we confidently say, here I am, Lord. If you take that thing that is important in my life, I will still love you. I will still worship you. I will still bless you. I will still serve you. Hold on loosely to the things that are dear to you because one day God may send a test to you. Is God cruel? Is God evil? No. God just doesn't want to share us with anybody else. He is a jealous God. Jealous, when God used the word jealous for Himself, it is a good way, not the way that you and I use. Many times we are jealous for selfish reasons. We are jealous because we are insecure but not God. Today, just pause and just look at your own lives and say, are there any idols in my life? Something, what is an idol? Idol is someone who takes the first place of God in our lives. The second test, when God calls out to our name, when God calls your name and says, where are you? It is a priority test. That means it is God's will or my will. That is why Jesus says, if anyone want to come after me, if anyone want to come into my kingdom, if anyone wants to be blessed and be my son and my daughter, what is the, the, the things that you need to do? You need to deny yourself. What does deny yourself mean? To say is to let go of your will. My agenda, my plan, my purpose is not important. And then you carry your cross. What is carrying your cross? It is to take up God's will. Whatever the will is, not all, not all of us are not going to go to, 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 to be crucified on the cross. But the cross is what is God's purpose for us. God's calling for us which may involve suffering and pain. It is a time to declutter. 
it's a time to relook when we do house cleaning to see what are the things that we need to let go that are a hindrance to God. Somebody says it very well. We don't prioritize our schedule. Some of us are very fixed. Some of us are very uh, regimented in our schedules. I must do this, do this, do this, do this at this time. And that's why sometimes marriage has a problem because they want their spouses to do things in their way, in their time. God is asking us is not to prioritize our schedule, but to schedule our priorities. There's a difference between that. That means we know what is important and we make sure we make time. We are intentional in prayer, intentional in coming to church, intentional in growing in the Word, going for equipped classes, intentional in serving the Lord, intentional in sharing the Gospel, the one-minute weakness to others. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, responded in the same way. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That same Son of God was in fact saying, here I am to His Father. If you can, take away this suffering, this pain, this humiliation. But Father God, if it's not in your will, then let your will be done. And that is what Jesus did. Thirdly, it's a servant's test. Serve God before we serve others. It is a complete and instant obedience to God, regardless of our personal needs, our convenience, our comfort, and our security. Abraham was in a very good place before Genesis 22. He had everything going for him. He was doing so well. And suddenly the call came. And straight away he dropped everything and says, here I am, ready to serve you. I'm available, ready to go, Father, ready. Because when you call, I know it's for my good. When you call, I know it's for your purpose. Do you know when we place ourselves on God's altar, just as Abraham placed Isaac on the altar on Mount Moriah, we will never lose out. In fact, we will gain back from God more than what we have given to God. What did God, what did Abraham receive back from God at Mount Moriah? He got a ram to replace his son Isaac. He got his sons began to be blessed, Isaac and Jacob, and Israel. And you know the greatest blessing that has come from the nation of Israel was Jesus Christ, the seed. He's talking, and from your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So when you and I place 
our best in God's altar. When you and I serve God and give all our 100% and say, here I am, we never lose out, but we gain. This is a picture of a mother and daughter serving. Do you see the intensity of the daughter? If I could say a word that will represent here I am, it is the daughter Zoe. This is Ruth, mother and daughter. The mother setting a good example for the generation of responding to God and says, here I am. Her eyes was fully closed during prayer. Sometimes we're all guilty of not reverencing God when prayer is going on. But the daughter Zoe, look at the people who are impressed. Pastor Patricia, the marina is a cell leader. Ruth also is a cell leader. The mother is a cell leader. But look at the daughter, the intensity. That is what God wants from us. When we are here, even the task is so small. We will say, here I am, Lord. I can do so much, but Lord, in your hands, you are going to multiply what I do. This is the thing that we can do when God calls us to reach out and that is what the team of Glad Tidings. And we are also in the community, not just in the food bank, not just in the schools in Vivekananda School where we provide lunch and transport, but we are also in the community, in our community football. These are kids coming to learn football and not just learning the skill, but learning godly values. Pre-believing children, parents coming, and we thank God for the football ministry in, out there. We have many other ministries in the sports ministry that are doing the same thing, touching life, and says, here I am. Here I am cause you to go out in the sun, like the traffic controllers out in the sun. Sometimes God calls us to uncomfortable places, but you see the reward. You see the joy, you see the fulfilment when God blessed the ministry. We've heard so many good testimonies about the sports ministry. All we have to do is to say, yes, here I am. Even you called me to be in the sun with the coaches here to make a difference in the lives of the children, in the community. This is a community project that we are doing, has been doing for many years, headed by a man who is very passionate for God and for the community. This is a grief counselling session that we are also having, just like a cell group, but these are those who are grieving. And here also, there's an opportunity to say, here I am, Lord. I cannot do much. I cannot take away the grief and the pain, but I can be here for people who are hurting, who are crying, who are mourning, who are desperate. And that is part of our ministry in the church. We have so many things that we are doing in the church, in the kids' church, in the shuttle van, in the AV team, in the worship team, in the hospitality, in the info desk, driving, in the senior adults, people driving van. There's a faithful brother from another church. Every Thursday, he comes with his car, he takes the van, and he goes out to pick the elderly people. 
and he brings them to our senior adult fellowship. And then at the, at the end of it, he takes the van and puts them in the in, in a van and drives them back to their, their location and comes back, parks the van and takes his car home because he says, here I am. Today, there are a few calls that God is calling to each one of us. There is that idol test. There is that priority test. And there's the servant test. Some of us may not be faithful in our marriage because we have not said, here I am to our spouse. Some of us are not faithful in our parenting because we have not said, here I am to our children. Some of us children are also guilty of not being faithful to our parents by not saying, here I am. I'm committed. I'm devoted. I'm obedient. I'm seeing to the best. Some of us are not serving the Lord yet. In a short while, the altar will be open to rededicate your life and to say, here I am, Lord. Because God's Ayika, where are you, is very loud in your life. God is asking you, you have gone away, but it's not too late to come back. Come back to God. So there's a different calls here in the altar today. The first call, if you have never accepted Jesus into your life, come to the front. The second call, it's for those who are already serving the Lord. Some of you are serving two ministries, three ministries. But my encouragement to you when you fill up the form afterwards is just target two ministries. And you have only serving one right now. Ask the Lord, can I give more to the Lord? Here I am. Because the time is short. I want to make my life count for Jesus Christ in my marriage, in my business, in the marketplace, in the cell group in the church where God has called me. Some of you are not serving anywhere yet. And today, God's voice to you. So the altar call is not the pastor's call. The altar call is God's call to you. It's not my voice. It is the voice of God. Just as God called Abraham, God called Moses, God called Joseph, God called Isaiah, God called Samuel. And God's call is always resounding in your life. We are going to sing this song. As we sing this song, can you just take out your cards? If you are already serving in at least two or three ministries, you don't have to fill up the card. But if you are serving in only perhaps only one ministry and you want to add on one more because you have been convinced, you have been convicted, and if you are not served any, anywhere yet, just look at to, to try out two ministries. But don't do it for the sake of me, but do it for God. 